0: Welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and in my never-ending quest to find more movies for you that are perhaps a little underloved, underrated, underknown, today we're picking one that's kind of uh, it's kind of a mix of all three of those. And it's again, this is another one of those I try to do older movies on this show, stuff from the '70s, '80s that's been around for many years and and has developed a reputation. My movie today is only three years old. This is the uh, horror movie Unfriended from 2015, so uh, that's only three years old as of the time of this recording. And uh, the reason I wanted to, to bring this one on and talk about it is because I can already see where it's going and what its reputation is going to be, and I wanted to head that off. I do not want this to become the Blair Witch Project. So let's delve right into it. You may have seen it. You may not have seen it. My co-host today... Um, Her name is Fiona Carter. She is a uh, horror author, writes uh, young adult fiction. She's a uh, very prolific writer and very well-versed in horror movies and uh, the history of horror movies and stuff like that. And you may also know her because she is married to one of my previous co-hosts, Matt Carter. This is his wife. Welcome to the show, Fiona Carter.
1: Hi. Nice to be here. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to get to talk to you because for people who don't know, Matt and Fiona are one of my favorite couples because, and I say this in the nicest possible way, you guys are both a couple of little psychopaths. Oh yeah, completely. So I'm so excited to have you on here as well to get the, uh, the female perspective that Matt was unable to offer. Yeah, I, I, have to, I just have to say before, I will, I will let Fiona introduce herself, but I just want to give people a little introduction to how I first met Fiona. And that, uh, <laughs> I knew Matt. Matt is one of my friends going back many years, and he was dating this girl, Fiona. And he brought her over to my house for Halloween one year. We have, I live in a uh, neighborhood where there's a lot of crazy Halloween stuff going on. Just, we get hundreds and hundreds of kids, and it's just insane how much activity we get at my house. So, Matt brought his girlfriend over, and he said, Well, she's gonna dress up as Carrie, Carrie White from the movie from the 70s. So, uh, here's my girlfriend. Could you please dump four vats of fake blood on her? So this is my introduction to Fiona, that I'm, hi, oh hi, my name's Mario, yeah, could you lean forward so I can get a little more blood on your bosom? So anyway, this is my introduction to Fiona, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, yeah, I have all the pictures of that, by the way, if you
0: want to <laughs> share those. Tell us a little about yourself, how, do, how did you get here, how did you become a horror author, what is your relationship with horror, tell people a little bit about your writing career.
1: Well, I write under the name Fiona J.R. L. It's T-I-T-C-H-E-N-E-L-L, because everybody asks. Um, I was already writing sort of young adult fantasy that was nowhere near publication ready when I met Matt in college at PCC, and we just hit it off swapping our writing and starting to write together. He was the one who introduced me to horror as a genre. I was, I was very very sheltered when it came to pop culture when we first met. And this was just opening up a whole new world for me. And we started writing together. We've written um, the Prospero Chronicles. Uh, I wrote uh, Confessions of the Very First Zombie Slayer that I know of. Um, Some side effects may occur. Those are teen horror. I've got a new one coming out the 24th of this month, in fact, out of the pocket, which is... A satire of the paranormal romance genre, where uh, we have a teenage girl get into a fantasy relationship with a super-powered alpha male, and it turns out to be exactly as much of a nightmare as it should be, and I'm really proud of that one, and we have a superhero noir coming out in August as well, called Pinnacle City is Superhero Noir, which is this dark gritty two-person drama of a naive sheltered superhero and a private investigator who have to team up to save the city in a world of superheroes and we're really really proud of that one coming out soon i am a huge horror lover i love
0: horror movies horror
1: games horror books
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I didn't realize that you came into horror so late. Like you didn't grow up a horror movie fan. Right. And I know I kind of know the answer to this. I'll kind of spoil it for the audience. Your parents aren't both from America. You I vaguely remember you telling me once that you were basically grown up in a culture that they didn't really like American pop culture or movies.
1: Yes. Uh, My mother is from Australia, and my dad was born in the U.S., but is a huge fan of British pop culture, so that's mostly what I was raised on. I was raised on Monty Python and Are You Being Served and all of those British sitcoms and some movies in that vein as well. And my dad is an English teacher and uh, very, uh, I I don't want to say allegiance, he's very picky with (laughs) what he... (laughs) What he spends his leisure time watching and reading. And it was actually a rather terrifying coming out process of, Daddy, I, I want to be a writer just like you wanted, but I want to write sci-fi <laughs> and horror and gory juvenile things that you're never, ever going to want to read.
0: So, so some children have to come out to their parents in a more like a sexual way. You had to come out to your father. I like American pop culture and I want to write horror stories. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I congratulate you for making that step. It's a difficult time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so uh, Fiona and Matt are forever recommending horror movies to me. And I, if, you may, if you listen to the Invitation episode, you know that one, that Matt and I have very dark tastes in movies. And this is one that Fiona was very fond of, this uh, Unfriended movie. She recommended it to me a couple of years ago. And I watched it, and I was just entranced by this movie.
1: I am so happy that you like this movie, by the way. I'm always embarrassed to tell people that I like this movie, and I shouldn't be. It should not be something to be embarrassed about, but I, I worry about such things, and I am so I feel so validated that you love it like I do.
0: Oh, that's very sweet. I'm glad that I have that kind of pull in your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I watched this the first time, and again, I'm, I'm really not very good at modern movies. I have such a vast knowledge of movies, especially horror movies and comedy movies, up until about the year 2000. And that's the year our kids were born. Our daughter was born. We started having kids. And we just dropped out of pop culture for about 10 years. So I'm reliant on these psychopaths, the Carters, to <laughs> give me up-to-date knowledge of the modern horror movies. And yeah, Unfriended is one that came to me. And I watched it. And like, that was just so cool. And it's like, I can't think of another horror movie that's anything like this one. No, it, there isn't one. That's what's so
1: special about it. It's completely a trailblazer.
0: Now, do you know the history of this? Was this movie a big hit? Like, I was reading about it today on Wikipedia. It's, uh, I saw that it got a big viral marketing kick behind it, and they uh, tied all these tie-ins with websites and social media stuff. Was it a big hit when it came out?
1: Yeah, you probably know about as much as I do on that. I was looking in the same place because I'm normally thoroughly sequestered from what most other people think of the movies that I like. I know that it came in third after Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your dad, Your dad was busy watching that one, I'm sure. so um yeah take that for what you will for how much respect this movie gets (laughs) okay um and to, to kind of follow up on what i said earlier in the podcast is that this movie absolutely reminds me of the blair witch project it's it's and I, I don't know if we're going to talk about this now or later in the podcast, but, like, you're re- I'm reading the marketing campaign for this movie came out, and they're just beating you over the head with, this is the scariest movie ever. This will change your life. And it really isn't. Like, it's not the scariest movie ever. And, it, and I think that kind of turns some people off.
1: That makes sense, actually. Because it's not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but what it is, it is perfect
0: guys. Yeah, it's just, but it's so innovative and it's such a movie that's of its time. Like, it could only exist in, like, the year 2015. And it's just really creative. And that's the thing I want to get across to people is that, like, no, this movie isn't the scariest movie ever. You go out there, you read reviews of it, they're all over the place. Some people think it's the greatest thing ever. And you'll get just as many zero star reviews, people saying, that was horrible. I fell asleep. It was the worst. And they're really. Neither of those is accurate. It's it's somewhere in the middle, but it's like that's exactly how the Blair Witch was received, and it took years and years for people to kind of come around and respect Blair Witch, and that's where I think Unfriended is gonna go. Would you kind of agree with that? I hope so. I hope I mean, you
1: don't want it to have the legacy of Blair Witch, and I know you mean that in that you don't want it to be disrespected the way Blair Witch was. I hope that it has the legacy of Blair Witch in that it did eventually come around and gain respect. I'm afraid that it's just going to be forgotten, which would be a tragedy.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, that's what I meant. I meant in the, the Blair Witch really struggled. And for people who don't know, I'm a huge fan of Blair Witch Project. This this massive hit that completely changed the way movies were made in 1999, and, it, and then it got built up as like the scariest movie ever, which it never was. And then the backlash happened, and that it took years for Blair Witch to be kind of come around and get people to respect it again. So that's that's what I meant.
1: Yeah, and so many movies like Blair Witch end up getting the backlash for their imitators because they create something that, that other people want to follow in the footsteps of. Same thing with Scream. And it's not fair for that to come back on the movie that started it all just because others try to imitate them badly. But that hasn't happened with Unfriended for some reason. I I have not seen any movies that try to be the next Unfriended, which you know, benefits it in the way of not being blamed for those movies. But I also feel like... It should have the respect of that compliment by imitation that is usually done so badly for other films like it.
0: That's a really good point. I hadn't actually thought about that. Are there, again, you and Matt know this much better than I do. Uh, since Unfriended, is there anything that's even kind of like this movie? Any even remote imitators?
1: Not that I know of.
0: And we're going to, I'm kind of we're talking about this very broadly as if our audience knows this movie. Let's kind of give a quick summary of Unfriended. you want to kind of just give a, a quick overview on what, what kind of movie we're talking about here?
1: Okay, well, essentially, there's five friends who are talking on Skype. The introduction's a little more complicated than that, and find they've been brought together by the ghost of their dead friend who committed suicide after bullying trauma, essentially. And it's a slasher movie of them getting picked off one by one as uh, the ghost tries to reveal what they did, what happened, what they've done to her, what they did to each other. And it all comes out and gets smeared all over the walls, and it is epic and
0: beautiful <laughs> now I, I don't know if it's really fair to call it a slasher movie because i think that'll kind of get people in the wrong mindset it's not a traditional horror movie with you know big jump scares and people going into haunted houses and people being stalked in scary areas the whole movie literally takes place on a macbook screen it's on a laptop the entire movie you're watching someone's computer
1: yeah the entire movie happens just within that frame what would be on the computer screen except for the end which we'll get to in- complain about no doubt but other than that it's it's so claustrophobic and so effective that their whole world is inside this screen together mm-hmm. and I have heard it described as a slasher movie it's also a ghost movie none of those descriptors fit it perfectly because there's nothing else exactly like it
0: in a found footage movie you kind of hear that as well again tying in with the Blair Witch Project it's a it's it's not really a found footage but it's like in that realm
1: It's a visual epistolary in the way
0: found footage is. Wow, I like that word. That's a first on Staff Picks. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, so this movie came out, and again, it's it's all takes place on someone's computer screen, and that's what I can't get over, This how creative this movie is. And again, this isn't the type of thing that's for everyone. I would not recommend this to every single horror movie fan. And again, you go and you read reviews on Unfriended, and people just... It's the weirdest thing that people don't like innovation in horror. It's the weirdest thing. They just don't appreciate it.
1: Yeah, totally with you on that. Or whatever it happens, there are the people who recognize what's special about it, and then there's everybody else.
0: I feel like that's the thing with modern horror movies tend to get the reputation. They kind of are follow the template with the same beats, the same jump scares, the same little noise crashes. And this movie doesn't go for that at all. And again, I don't, I'm not even sure this is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And I'd even argue, just going through it, I think it's about maybe 10 minutes too long which is kind of funny because it's only about an 80-minute movie to start with. But, man, is it very creative and clever. And it, when it works, I think it works on such a different level than what what we're used to.
1: I wouldn't call it the scariest movie I've ever seen because the scariest movies I've ever seen I can't watch over and over again. It's an ordeal. That is not an insult to those movies in any way. That's what they're trying to be. But I can't watch them casually. I'm glad I've watched them, and then you know maybe I'll watch them again five years later. Unfriended I can watch over and over again. And it
0: continues to be intense in a repeatable way. Okay, here's the three things that kind of jump out to me on my last viewing. Again, I just watched it today. I've seen it a couple times. I showed it to my daughter, which is the the end-all be-all for me of if I think a horror movie is good when I start showing it to my kids. And my daughter, Vanessa, liked it. So very excited about that. And the three things that really jump out to me about this movie is the use of modern society to tell the story.
1: Yeah, it's so authentic for the exact microcosm it's representing.
0: Again, there's no haunted house, there's no, you know, serial killer. There's no vampire. There is this this uh movie is told through the websites Spotify, Live Leak, YouTube, uh Facebook, uh what else we have? Instagram, Chat Roulette, and Skype. And those are the main characters in the story. And it's all told through them, just in a variety of different ways, which is I can guarantee you've never seen a movie that does that like that. Yeah. And the other thing, okay, the second thing that jumps out to me is that Just how mundane this movie is. Like, it just feels like a slice of life in these kids' lives. Like, it's just any other day. It escalates. And that's, I think, the word we're going to use a lot in this podcast. It escalates.
1: Yeah, and that is what makes it so intense is that it feels like something that could just happen at any time because they've so vividly painted the everyday that it comes out of. You feel like you're there. You know these people. You grew up with these people, or at least... If you're me, you feel like you grew up with these people because you were their age.
0: Yeah, perhaps I'm a little older. I'm an old chunk of coal compared to the rest of the people in this movie. But it's it's a movie not made for people my age. It's made for, obviously, a different generation. And I can totally respect that. I think it's just really cool. I mean, right down to the fact that, like, they're ripping news out of the headlines. Like, the whole premise of this movie is that this girl has been bullied on the Internet and killed herself. And all these people mocked her and did it. And she's coming to get her revenge, which is very... I hate to say it, very topical to the stories you hear in the news these days. Right, and
1: I think that's a big part of the reason that certain people don't like it. Another reason I'm so, so psyched that you do. I feel like people resent it for being a specific representation of young people who are being young not in the 80s.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: Yeah, that it's actually taking seriously things that affect them.
0: So you would think, you think it's an older... Critics and older viewers are the ones that tend not to like it. You think younger people do like it?
1: I know that there are plenty of young people who don't, but I think that that's a contributing
0: factor. <laughs> oh, that's I had not, not actually thought about that. That's a very good point. So I am happy to be the one guy who grew up in the 80s who really appreciates this movie. So my love from my people to your people. Ah. And the one last thing before we delve into the plot here is that the neatest thing about this movie, just from a filmmaking making technique, is it feels like it was filmed in one big take.
1: Right, and and parts of it were right.
0: Yeah, it was. That was. We'll get into that in the trivia. But yeah, it's they they were trying to film it in different segments and different people's on, on on the screen were filmed in different parts. And the actors were saying, well, that doesn't really work. That's hard to work that way. We don't get each other's cues. And so one of the the lead actress basically said, let's just do the whole thing in one big take. And they did. And that's really a large chunk of the movie is to see that one take.
1: I'm so glad they did that because that is another part of what makes the movie so special is that there are no cuts. This all happens in like an hour of these people's lives, and there's no downtime, there's no break, there's no walking away from it and breathing. It just keeps on, as you say, escalating.
0: All right, are you ready to walk people through the plot of Unfriended? absolutely okay so here we go so we'll start off and again i, I can't re- reiterate this enough that it just takes place on a computer screen the entire movie is that we open it up and we're watching a video on uh live Leak, i think No, it's uh the youtube video and it's basically this girl gets drunk at a party and she passes out and she basically craps herself and it's basically her friends laughing at this video and we pull back and we're basically watching someone watching this video of someone humiliated at a party correct
1: Well, we start out with the video of Laura actually killing herself.
0: That's right. That's first.
1: From there, we get the link to the video that is the attributed cause of her suicide, and we don't get to the end of that yet. We just get hints of what it's going to be, little bits of it before it's interrupted, and we keep getting gradually more and more of the details of that video as we go.
0: Okay, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, we start with literally a suicide. There's a website out there, a real website for people who don't know called Live Leak, which shows very controversial things like people killing themselves. And we see an actual video on Live Leak of this girl shooting herself in the mouth. The Laura Barn, what is her name? Laura Barnes. Laura Barnes. Yeah. Yes, and this is the greatest thing. If you go on Live Leak, that video actually does exist. It does. Yeah, that's the coolest thing about this movie is all these videos and links and stuff, they cross marketed by putting the actual videos and stuff on the internet. So like that video actually is on live leak as if it really happened and that's I think that's so cool.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the way they did things for the Blair Witch project, but for a for a new version, new era of how you spread that kind of knowledge that isn't quite knowledge.
0: All right, so yeah, so this girl Laura Barnes has killed herself. She was bullied through this video, and basically, we just cut from watching this live leak video to a Skype call, and it's between this girl Blair and her boyfriend Mitch. And I have to laugh is is Blair an intentional uh, shout out to the Blair Witch Project? It
1: has to be. It has to be. I mean that that's so what I would do if I were making this movie. <laughs> her boyfriend's name is Mitch. You turn over the M.
0: Oh, I didn't even think of that either. You're giving me all sorts of cool stuff. (laughs) All right, yeah, so Blair and Mitch are basically about to cyber, and uh, they're interrupted by a bunch of friends who are calling them, and we get the the impression this is kind of a call that happens all the time. All these friends kind of have a weekly or nightly Skype call, and they just kind of join a group Skype call, and this will be the entire rest of the movie.
1: And there are already so many hints being sprinkled in already in just what we've covered. Are we... Is there any boiler-free uh,
0: pretending to... No, I don't think so. But let's let's just go straight into spoilers, because I think we will sell this movie better, explaining all the way to the end. I think that will get people who have never seen it to probably appreciate it better. So no, the, no spoiler, spoiler warnings. We're just going to go straight into it.
1: Okay, so Blair, who is ostensibly our heroine for the entire movie, uh, we get a hint right in the beginning when she's watching the... The bullying video of laura of the kind of person she is because we haven't gotten to the actual meat of the video and and what was used to embarrass laura but what we've gotten to so far is she's almost but not quite passed out drunk on a table being nuzzled by some random guy and in the background we hear what we're not sure but on rewatching, you realize is blair's voice saying i'm going to bed
0: mm. <laughs> so blair bailed on her
1: Blair bailed on her, and we know that that wasn't the end of the night later on, but we know what kind of person Blair is right away.
0: Yeah, and again, unfortunately, that is one of the criticisms of this movie. They say, well, there's not really any likable characters, which... I don't really see as a criticism. I'm I'm, I'm perfectly fine with a bunch of unlikable characters getting picked off left and right. Would you kind of agree with that criticism? There's not really a good guy in the story.
1: There is absolutely no good guy in the story. And normally that drives me crazy in movies, too. It's hard to explain why it works so well for this movie, but it does. Because that's sort of the point. And it lets you... It lets you believe for the longest time that you relate to these people. It's not that you spend the whole time hating them, but gradually realize that, God, these are all terrible, terrible people. And and Laura probably was, too, from all the evidence we're given. This is the implosion of their facade of niceness. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and that's that's something that really jumped out as me as well, is that, again, it's all these horrible kids that have bullied this girl to her death. But in the movie, they present it as, well, you know, the girl who got bullied was kind of a bully, too, and maybe she was kind of asking for it. So it's like, it's not movie character, like, falsities. Like, everyone's either all good or all bad. Like, everyone's got a nice little shade of nastiness in this one where they all come off like real people.
1: Yeah, it, it feels entirely real in a horrible, misanthropic way. It feels entirely real. <laughs>
0: Okay, so there's this big Skype call, and there's five people, and they're all talking. All of a sudden, if you've been on Skype, you know, you can see everyone's picture who's in the group call at the time. There's this uh, unidentified person in their chat with them, and it's just, it doesn't have a profile picture or anything. It's just a, a blue box with a silhouette of a head in it. So,
1: Default user.
0: Default wow. user. There you go. Thank you. You know the lingo much better than I do. So, yes, the uh, the default user is in there with him. So they're all having their little chat, and it's video. It's like live video. We see them from their webcams. They're all just talking, and they're like, who's this other person in our chat? And at first, they just don't pay him any attention. They're like, oh, that's a glitch. That's nothing. And as the night goes along, it's going to start escalating. That It's a little creepy that, wait, someone's in our chat listening to us. Again, there's there's so many more beautiful hints. Everything
1: is so densely packed with details. Every, every page they go to... Every ad on it has been thought out, and we've got Blair and Mitch, when they start getting worried about who is this other person on the call, we get more of an impression of their relationship through their separate texts because Blair immediately assumes that Mitch is messing with her. Mm-hmm. We don't even know necessarily that their texts are real. She could be messaging with the ghost of Laura Barnes for all we know, but the quickness with which she jumps to that conclusion just shows way early the, the massive trust issues that this couple has that are going to come out later. Like even in their original cybering call blair's saying i want to make prom night the night and mitch's response to that is you wouldn't lie to me like she does all the time like try watching the movie sometime and count the number of times blair tells the truth about something you you will not get drunk
0: (laughs) oh wow i didn't realize that yeah Okay. Yeah. So, and and there's two things I have to say about this. Again, as, as the Skype calls going on, Blair is instant messaging. She's pulling up uh, songs on Spotify. She's checking her Facebook email. There's all these things she's multitasking and doing, and it's a very intricate way the story is put together. And I just think it's, again, it's so cool because it's such a modern way of storytelling and just so innovative. But I do have to say For us older people that this movie is an absolute bastard to try to watch on a movie screen on like a DVD because you can't read everything like I literally have to read half this movie to my wife sometimes
1: yeah you do need a good screen and a good pair of glasses
0: to be able to watch it so again watch this on a big screen on a blu-ray with glasses or even better I think is on a laptop I was watching it today on a laptop and I thought it was far more effective because like it actually feels like an app that's just open on your screen you kind of forget you're watching a movie at times
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That's its natural habitat.
0: Yeah, so, again, just the old person here not realizing that everybody already watches movies on laptop. But I will give you old people a warning that this is a a tough movie to try to read.
1: You were talking about her pulling up different songs and things, and I just had to say the soundtrack on this movie is so thoughtfully put together, and... It has the excuse that some of it gets dictated by Laura, and I know we'll we'll get into the My How You Lie song later on, but if you look at Mitch and Blair's song that comes up whenever they're talking to each other, and you actually look at the lyrics, what we're hearing in the background is, till death, till death, till death do we part. The next part of that that's usually covered by actual dialogue is, till the death of this love. And there's even more in the lyrics there that, that goes with the movie, and it's clear that everything was so carefully chosen and I know this is this is me geeking out here I'm such a lyrics person even more so Laura's song the one she plays in her in her angry card showing video later on is pretty much a summary of the movie hmm. when you're weary and haunted when your life is not what you wanted when you're trying so hard to find it when the lies speak the loudest when your friends are starting to leave when you're broken by people like me that's the opening verses. I just I just had to geek out about that for a moment because somebody put a ton of work into finding exactly the right soundtrack for
0: this movie. Oh yeah, and that's something I, I have in my notes. All throughout as I'm watching this movie, I just wrote, it took a lot of time to put this movie together. Like, there's a lot of thought behind it.
1: Yeah, every detail is so clearly considered from the cross in the background of Blair's room to... The songs and the ads that come out, ads that Laura's probably putting there saying things like escape and who's following me and the detail that when she brings up a police scanner code, it's a visited link. She's done this before.
0: I'll tell you the one that I caught. I caught this one today, where at one point they're uh, they think there's a Trojan virus in their in their laptop, so they all have a little link to download it. And Blair is trying to uh, run this program, and she can't because there's files that are still open. Have you caught which files those are that she had open?
1: Miley Cyrus on Saturday Night Live. That's right. She's
0: a Miley Cyrus on SNL fan. Yes. <laughs> which is just perfect for what Blair would be watching. It yeah, it totally is. Okay, yeah, so basically, not to beat around the bush too much, this strange person in their Skype chat is Laura Barnes, the girl who killed herself exactly a year ago today. And we're about to find that out, in that a, all of a sudden, Blair, the main character, is, uh, is re- is, happens to be watching the suicide video, the video that forced this girl to kill herself. And all of a sudden, this little message pops up on her Facebook from Laura Barnes saying, What are you watching, Blair? And again, it's like Hal in the 2001 movie. It's like, what are you doing, Blair?
1: I haven't seen 2001. Don't kill me for that. I know I'm supposed to. But yeah, it's it's perfectly creepy. And that's just the beginning of Laura being able to respond to things that Blair hasn't told her. Yeah. Laura is watching.
0: And again, this i l I've seen criticism of this movie. Well, if this creepy person is, is instant messaging them and, and, and maybe it'll hack their dead friend's account, why don't they just kick her off the network? Why don't they just log off the system? But that's kind of the you know, the fundamental underlying thing of this movie. These kids don't they're curious hey what is this like they don't freak out automatically because kids nowadays obviously are so ingrained with this technology and these websites at first they're like huh this might be a glitch they don't realize what's going on right away that it just appears that someone has hacked their dead friend's facebook account and again i just think how cool it is that facebook is being used as a weapon in a horror movie that, that's that's hard to do so i, I appreciate how they did that
1: Yeah, and they go and explain in concrete ways all of the reasons that they can't stop this. Laura has thought of every contingency and every way to stop them and can hurt them in ways other than the computer. But yeah, it's also just the fact that this is their world. This is the space in which they have their friendship, and it's not something they can just leave. It would be pretty much like not going back to school. This is just the world that they live in.
0: And again, they have a chance here to leave. They will not later. There's a certain part in this movie where Laura starts playing a game with them. You leave this chat and I will kill you. So they yeah. can't leave. But at this point, they still have a chance. And so Blair, our main character, is like, oh, this is weird. I just got an email from this dead girl, Laura Barnes. And all of a sudden, her boyfriend sends her a link. Um, you might not want to answer that. He sent her to this webpage, and again, at a real website, I think, unexplainedforums.com, and there's a whole thing in there that, oh, don't answer an, an instant message from the dead. Like, it's, it's a big ghost story, like a one of these urban legends, that if you answer a message from the dead, they can possess you and make you kill yourself. So watch out. So it's like, it's one of these things, like right off the bat, the boyfriend already knows about this theory. <laughs> and so this will get ingrained in the system that, uh oh, have they just opened up a portal to, like, this other dimension by answering messages from the dead?
1: It has a very creepypasta vibe, the online horror stories about mundane things becoming evil, but the the form that he sends her to, and this is another reason why it might be Laura who's actually sending her this, it gives the secret for how to escape. It says you have to confess what you did, which none of them ever do, and that's why they die. Laura gives Blair, like, infinite chances to do that, and she never does. And it's sitting right there, and Laura keeps passing the link back to her. It shows up later in search results that shouldn't have it there, and it's just there waiting for her. Like, this is what you have to do. This is what you have
0: to do. Well, I do have to point out, Blair actually does confess later, and it makes no difference. She still, she still meets her maker.
1: She never confesses.
0: All right, yeah, she kind of half confesses. But it's possible that Laura Barnes, dead Laura Barnes, is just kind of a dick, so maybe it didn't matter.
1: Well, she is, and they all are, but Blair never really fully tries to confess. Everything, every truth she tells, every confession she makes is backhanded. It's always with a but. And I'm sorry you feel that way, but every time right up until she dies.
0: All right, you are correct. And I did forget the little twist at the end. Yeah, okay, you're right. She never fully confesses. You are correct. (laughs) Okay, so uh, first thing they do is they, they think, "Okay, oh, well, we're getting these messages from this dead person, this dead girl. This is sick. Someone's hacked her account. Blair tries to go to Facebook to report that someone's hacked a dead person's account. And this is where things start to get creepy, is that she files a formal complaint that there's a dead person, to someone hacking her friend's account, and all of a sudden the submission form changes from Laura Barnes's name to I got her, I got her, I got her, I got her. And, it, like, it overrides, and it's like, well, that's a nice creepy moment. And so this is where things start to go a little downhill for these kids.
1: And now Blair should know that it's really happening, because we get to find out later what the I got her glitch is is referencing in her particular life, and that that's not just a glitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is not going to end well. Let's just spoil this right there. I think we're past that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so the friends are like, well, you know, you got this person emailing you from the dead girl's account. Why don't you just unfriend her? And she's like, well, I can't do it. It doesn't work. All of a sudden, the option to unfriend her isn't there. And so they have her reset her Facebook. And again, I just can't get over how clever this is using famous websites to tell the story. She has to reset Facebook, and then she takes the dead girl's account. She unfriends it. She finally unfriends it. So she and Laura Barnes are not friends anymore, hence the title of the movie. And this is where we get the final or the, the last straw that broke the camel's back here for uh, for Laura, where Laura says, you shouldn't have done that, Blair. <laughs> Yeah, so, oh yeah, there's a little ding, a little sound effect here when she gets unfriended, like, ding! And then all of a sudden, just the dead girl types, you shouldn't have done that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and this is after Blair and Mitch arguing on text is probably Laura, but is also probably indicative of how they usually talk, because Blair doesn't respond strangely to it. Mitch being supremely creepy and... Blair being this weird, ditzy, non-swearing, the most irritating little girl kind of voice that you can imagine on social media, you could be more helpful. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay so here we go let's let's ramp this up a little bit here for some reason now they think they have uh, gotten rid of this weird person in their Skype chat the whoever's hacked the dead girl's account and now they somehow get convinced that this girl named val is behind all this val is apparently a notorious troublemaker so they add val to the chat so val shows up and we were warned ahead of time uh, no one likes val she's kind of a bitch so we val joins and this is where it's all going to escalate starting right about here for the rest of the movie
1: And yeah, this is the point where we assume that there's some reason why everyone's warned that nobody likes Val, and slowly over time, we'll find that nobody likes whoever's not on the call right now. As soon as anyone's (laughs) out of the room, the rest of them are talking shit about
0: them. That's true. Okay, yeah, so Val shows up, and within a couple seconds, we have these pictures of Val wasted at a party being shown up on one of the other girls in the, in the chat's Facebook account, and all of a sudden she's like, I didn't post those, why are those there? So these two girls get in a fight, and it appears that things are randomly being posted on other people's Facebook walls, kind of dirty laundry, airing their secrets, and all of a sudden these people are starting to bicker and argue with each other, and this is where we start to realize that this dead Laura girl is kind of controlling their Facebook. She's actually posting things to their page that were secrets.
1: Yeah, and we also realize that they're incredibly quick to blame each other, probably because they do this kind of stuff to each other.
0: Oh, yeah. We find out later that they historically do horrible things to each other, and this is a pattern of behavior between some, between some uh, very uh, horrible people. Yeah, so now the people are starting to bicker in the chat, and really uh, the, the, the dead girl, Laura, hasn't done anything outright malicious yet, but this is where now she starts typing into the Skype call, and again, people who have been on Skype before know that you can talk, you can chat, but you can also type instant messages as like a group chat, and uh, all of a sudden this mystery person, default user, as we have referred to her, she <laughs> all of a sudden has a name, what is it, it's uh, Billy227, and she just types. And then one of the one of the people in the chat's like, "Well, you know, the glitch just typed, <laughs> and the type, they put a little like Billy does a little smiley face." So all of a sudden, this mystery person that's in their Skype call is now typing to them. So now it's going to get even more creepy.
1: Oh, and spoiler: everyone is lined up at the bottom of the screen when Laura takes it over in the order in which they're going to die.
0: Oh, very nice. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so what happens is yeah, Billy the creep start typing into their chat and this difficult girl Val, the one that nobody likes, starts threatening Billy. She's like, uh, who are you? Get off our call. This is fucked up. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to call the cops on you. And then yeah, we don't see it, but apparently uh, the dead Laura girl threatens Val. She says something threatening to her. I'm going to come get you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut you. And Val freaks out and starts calling the cops. Someone just threatened me on Skype. I'm going to call the cops and uh, this is not the preferred way to handle Laura.
1: Yeah, and first of all, when Val is threatening her, she says, I'm going to come down there and knock the trash out of your ears. Laura's response is, sounds great, but you wouldn't like it here. So (laughs) presumably Laura's in hell, and Jess made a glib remark earlier when joining the call about Blair going to hell with the rest of them, which is probably exactly what happens by the end of the movie. And right when they're about to find out that it's Laura, that it really is something supernatural, and they're trying to find out who it is because they all, of course, assume that it's one of them because they're terrible people and they know it, hands up. Everyone takes their hands off of the keyboards to show that they're not the ones doing the typing. And it looks perfectly across the screen, everybody's hands up, like all of them are proclaiming innocence. Like, it's not me. Hmm, That's cool. And that is exactly what they continue to do for the rest of the movie, proclaiming their innocence.
0: Okay, so it's time for our first death here. Now we're going to start getting deaths. They're going to start coming faster and faster as the movie goes along. And that's the thing that really jumps out about this movie. You kind of think, if you're hearing this for the first time, like, how is this scary? It's just somebody typing to them on Skype. Well, she has the ability to leap into their bodies and have them kill themselves quite graphically. So uh, that's what's going to happen. So the one girl who threatened Laura by calling the cops, her, she disappears from Skype, this is Val, and all of a sudden she pops back on, and they see her and she's just comatose. She's just staring at the camera. It's a really creepy scene, the first time you see it. Like, they're all in a Skype call, she
1: just... Because that happens on Skype all the time. You'll just have a still from when whenever the camera crashed, and you'll be able to hear things, and they think that that's what, what's happening. And it's beautiful, creepy reveal when someone calls her phone and you see it vibrate into view, confirming that the the image is live, and she really is that still.
0: Yeah, she's like in locked-in syndrome here, where she's just staring and she can't get out of her body. It's just a really creepy reveal. And again, it's one of the, the scarier shots in the movie. So yeah, they... Uh... They're like, what are we looking at? Why is Val just sitting there? And ostensibly, Laura has done something to her, gone into her body and had her killer. But so she's dead, just staring at the cameras. And then all of a sudden you hear in the background, the cops, because Val had called the cops that someone's threatening her. And you hear the cops rush in. And it's just a really tense scene. Them just staring, all these kids just staring. Like, what, what's going on? And then they think, did she have a seizure or something? So they, they have not put two and two together that Laura has the capability to leap into their bodies and have them kill themselves. But yeah, so Val dies. And this is where I think we, uh, we kind of get these chats between Blair and Mitch where they're talking about, you know, that was horrible when, when everyone did to Laura when they killed her. And Mitch, of course, like you said earlier, says, well, she kind of deserved it. She wasn't the nicest person either. And this is where we get the video you talked about, Laura, when she was fighting back against her bullies before she killed herself.
1: Right. And Mitch is, well, what we think is Mitch at least, is presenting this as evidence of Laura being a terrible person. And she probably is, but what she's doing in this video is fairly justified considering the situation that she's in, which just ends up casting more doubt on Mitch.
0: So Val has been killed. We're kind of getting a little more backstory of all this bullying that had gone on to Laura before she killed herself, how terrible it was, kind of what a terrible person she was, just just a a horrible uh, combination of toxic people here.
1: Everyone pretending to be horrified by finding out the way that Val was bullying her in particular, even though they were all doing exactly the same thing.
0: Yeah. And this is where the uh, Billy, the person in their chat, who is, of course, uh, Laura, is going to escalate the game. And, Laura, and now she starts typing and she's going to get real hardcore here where she's in their chat. And she's going to start typing. You all have dirty little secrets. I'm here to expose them. We're going to play a little game. She starts sending pictures. I think the first thing is she sends a little picture of Blair saying, I know you cheated on your boyfriend with this other guy who's on the call, Adam. Mm-hmm. And this is just the first thing. It's going to go on and on. It's like, man, these are just shitty people.
1: Everyone is receiving their own particular thing. And Blair is probably thinking when she receives this, this is your secret, that this is what everyone's looking at. But presumably since nobody reacts to it, everyone is receiving their own personal hell in in email form and hoping that nobody else is receiving it.
0: Okay, and here is where the deaths start picking up now. So, so Val has died, and and they, again, they just think she has had a seizure. They don't really get that Laura has killed her. But uh, this is just getting creepier and creepier. That this person in their Skype chat can listen in on them, like even when they're talking, she can hear them. So they uh, they mute their mics, and she starts unmuting their mics so she can she can hear everything they're doing. And so the one nerd in the group, they have this guy a member of their groups, uh, Ken. He's like, well, he's like this big hacker. He knows everything about computers. He's like, this is probably some glitch, some Trojan horse, some hacker that's, that they're messing with Skype. I'll send you guys a program, and it will basically delete, uh, delete any viruses from your system. So it's, it's kind of a tense scene here where Ken's trying to send everyone a virus to knock this hacker out of their Skype chat. And meanwhile, as he's doing this, Laura, the dead girl, is like, don't do that. You don't want to do that, Ken. And so they all download this thing and they, they, uh, they run it, they execute this program. It knocks her out of the call. It knocks Laura, the stranger, out of their call. And all of a sudden there's relief. We did it. Thank God Ken knocked her out.
1: Can't forget that while they're all freaking out, waiting for the program to work to try to kick Laura out, Adam pulls a gun on the screen. And only, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> only after the program works and they think she's gone does anyone acknowledge that. Oh, my God, you pulled a gun.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just all get, kind of getting chaos now in the call. They're just kind of freaking out, and they can't get this person out of the call. And so, eventually, yeah, Ken's Trojan has dumped her out. They're, then uh, one of them was waving a gun around in the call. It's just kind of chaos. And then all of a sudden, Billy comes back into their call. And they're like, oh shit, Like we thought we got rid of her, she's back. And now this is where it really gets creepy. I think this is probably the creepiest scene in the movie where all of a sudden Billy's not a default user anymore, now she's a webcam, and now we see her in the lattice right behind Ken. She's sitting literally behind the guy who just knocked her out of the call.
1: Yeah, and we get to see from both camera angles as he's moving around and and going to investigate the camera, and you can give him shit for going to investigate,
0: but don't, because you would, you absolutely would. So yeah, so they have to watch as Ken, they're literally like, uh, uh, Ken, I think Billy's right behind you, literally right behind you. So Ken turns around and he kind of investigates and he pulls out the lattice and we, the last thing we see of Ken, the hacker, is he's staring right into the camera. Like he's somehow found out what Laura looks like. He's looking right at her. And it's, again, it's just, he freezes like we saw with Val earlier. He's just staring right into the camera and it's like the scene in it. If people have seen the deadlights, that's kind of what Ken looks like here.
1: Yeah, exactly like that. I hadn't put those two together, but that's perfect.
0: Yeah, so Ken is staring at the camera, and he just freezes. And all of a sudden, he drops out of the call. And it's kind of a tense moment, like, where's Ken? What happened to Ken? And then the camera, and then the, he joins the call again. all of a sudden, Ken's back in the call, and we see him screaming, and like the lights are flashing. And he like hits his head on the wall, or the, the desk. And then there's a really graphic scene of him putting his hand into a blender and ripping his arm off. And it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? It's a very loud, intense scene. And it's probably the biggest jump scare of the movie, at least until the last two seconds. But but yeah, this is a very graphic scene. It's like, whoa, somehow Laura made can kill himself by putting his arm into a blender.
1: Yeah, and then breaking the blender and pushing it into his neck. <laughs> and he had the blender there for making salsa earlier on. Everybody's murder weapons are perfectly set up way early on, and it's perfect. But then it doesn't make it any less of a shock when suddenly the blood is everywhere and the screaming and the glitches choosing what you see until finally it's just over.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things that, I, again, I've said this on Staff Picks before, I don't really recommend gory movies to people. This isn't a necessarily a very gory movie. There's a couple real quick shock jump scares that have some gore, but it's not, in essence, like a blood-blooding movie. There's not a whole lot of blood in this one.
1: No, that's not the the general point of it. It doesn't sanitize the things that it shows, but it's not about how much blood can we pour down the screen either.
0: Let me put it this way. There's far less blood in this movie than the, than the blood I dumped on Fiona's head the night I met her.
1: Well, that's not saying all that much, but Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, so, uh, so so Ken has been killed, and now everyone's freaking out. Like, what the hell is going on? They don't really grasp the situation here, that this is a death spiral. They're all going to die tonight, and they can't go anywhere. And this is where uh, Billy starts uh, typing in the chat. She's like, you're all terrible people. I know you've done all these things. Like, I have all your dark secrets. And she starts telling them, you better not leave this chat. If any of you leave this chat, you die immediately. So that's some of the criticism of this movie. Why don't they just log off? Because at this point, they can't. They are locked in at this point. She has the capability of entering their body, physically making them grab a weapon and kill themselves. So they cannot leave. They are in this for the long haul at this point.
1: Yeah, and I I think they probably always were. She just wanted to let them believe things for, were normal for as long as possible. But you can interpret that one either way. And she's also having her personal conversations with each of them at the same time and accusing them of of what they did to her. And Blair looks again at the article that tells you how to escape and her way of, of trying to follow that advice to confess is changing It Wasn't Us in her message to Laura to We didn't mean it. Everyone was doing it. We're good people. That's Blair's version of confessing.
0: I'm not, I'm not sure if we're spelling it out for you, but these this group of kids are the ones who were bullying Laura before she died. They were doing it behind fake screen names, fake usernames. Again, the type of stories you hear in the news where someone gets embarrassed at school, everyone mocks and taunts them until they kill themselves. It was Laura's friends that were doing it behind the guise of these uh, anonymous names. So she is absolutely livid. She knows that they did it, and she's going to start haunting them. And then, yeah, like you said... Blair attempts to apologize. She reads somewhere that if you confess your sins, you will be spared, that the uh, specter will not enter you and have you kill yourself. So Blair tries to apologize the best way she can by saying, we didn't mean it.
1: Probably the way you've been apologized to by some terrible person online at least once in your life. Whoever you are, if you've ever touched a computer, this has happened.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is a lot of truth in this movie. I mean, who among us has not bullied our classmate until they killed themselves? Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) I need some darkness in a Carter podcast.
1: I know, I know. It has to happen.
0: (laughs) Okay, so Blair says, you know, we're good people. Don't judge us for what happened when you killed yourself. We're really good people. And Laura's like, are you? Let's find out. Let's play the game.
1: We move on to what is probably my favorite scene in horror period i i'm i wouldn't gonna call it that that would be my favorite scene in horror is the never have i ever seen and i don't know if you can even call it a scene because this movie doesn't really have scenes everything leads into the next but everything from when they start playing this game until the end is just some of the most intense social horror i have ever seen and it is fantastic
0: yeah and we're not underselling this one like i said this is an intense movie get ready for this one So the Never Have I Ever game is uh, the dead girl, Laura, makes them hold up five fingers. It's like a drinking game. And again, we're all on webcams. You see everyone as this is happening, and we're going to play the Never Have I Ever. And every time you've done something that I say, you put a finger down, and normally that's a drinking game you would drink. But in this instance, when you get to the end, you die. If you put your fingers down, you will be killed. That's our game tonight.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And of course, when everyone starts with five fingers up, it looks again like they're all swearing their innocence. (laughs) You can just imagine their other hand is on a Bible or something in that scene when they all hold up five fingers.
0: So the first question in Never Have I Ever is, uh, Never have I ever started a rumor that Blair has an eating disorder. Like, all these are wonderful kids, that one of them has started a rumor online that another one has an eating disorder. So this girl, Jess, has to put her finger down guilty. I did that once, and then the girls start screaming at each other. And then uh, we find out that Blair once crashed Jess's mother's car and didn't take the blame for it we uh, found out that uh blair's boyfriend mitch made out with laura barnes before she died like she was kind of he was kind of cheating on blair i believe Just, uh, yeah, and then one of them sold out the other one for selling weed to the cops. So just, again, these these people that proclaim to be friends are just not. They've never been friends. They just will do everything behind everyone's back at a moment's notice.
1: Yeah, they're they're just awful to each other, and there's a reason they have trust issues. And I just want to say for a moment here how amazing the actress for Jess is, because I feel like we've ignored her this whole time, and we... We will continue to ignore her because she spends most of the never have I ever game crying in a corner while everyone else's drama plays out in front of her. But she is the one character that I feel most like I knew in high school. She just exudes this genuine
0: teenage
1: shell, this attempt at cool that is so lifelike. And I, I just had to shout that out to the world.
0: You're talking about Jess, right? The girl who never shuts up.
1: well so they say but i think she has probably the fewest lines of all these characters
0: (laughs) she probably is the best person out of this group because again we hear some of the stuff that they've done one of the other guys roofied a girl at school and then she got pregnant and he forced her to get an abortion it's like whoa
1: that is like our yardstick for these people because in everything other than that adam the one who did that is usually the reasonable one and he's the one who's freaking out in the Never Have I Ever game, finding out all the terrible things his friends did to him. Like, his friend ratted him out to the cops. One of the others stole $800 from him. And he's the one who takes it hardest. He he just assumed that, well, you knew he was a bad person, but he can't believe all the others are terrible people, too. And for a moment, you almost feel for him and realize, objectively, on paper, he is the worst person here. The thing he gets called out for is... Unforgivable. So, when we're starting to relate to him over these other people, that just shows how irredeemable this entire batch of humanity is in this movie.
0: You just get the sense these are just spoiled, rich kids with no parents around, access to drugs, cars, weapons, just again, horrible people. Everyone knows or knew kids like this in high school, and it's just, yeah, it's just, you start hearing these stories spilling out, and this is the part we heard, we talked about earlier with the soundtrack where Laura. Now points out, well, you know, Blair, you cheated on your boyfriend, Mitch, with Adam, the other roofie guy. And so she shows a video of the two of them having sex. And this is where Spotify in the background starts playing How You Lie, Lie, Lie.
1: And it is it is amazing. It just ramps up the crazy of this scene. They can't turn off the music. It's such a silly thing that they can't turn off the music because Laura controls it. But it just pervades the scene and sets the terms and makes everything... Frantic and again claustrophobic that they can't stop listening to this music about how much they're lying to each other
0: (laughs) Yeah, and again just for people who don't don't know this movie Laura is controlling the Skype call She's controlling their computers. She's controlling their emails their Spotify their music everything she can mute She can unmute their mics and this is where she gets especially creative. She starts printing out things to their printers
1: This is when she's taking back the game, because Adam, after freaking out, actually took it over for a while and started making up the questions. And The others took over from him, making up questions for each other, calling out the things that they've done, and Laura just allows this to happen. She provides timers and everything, makes this part of the game, because watching them turn on each other and self-destruct is even better than anything that she had planned.
0: And I have to say how cool that is how they do this in a movie. The, the sound of typing, how scary they can make the sound of someone typing and you're waiting for the letters to appear. Yes. and how scary they can make things like uh, like a, a file downloading you're waiting for a file to download, how they can actually make that into a tense scene as you're waiting for this file to show up on your screen. That's so clever, and again, it's one of those things, even if you might not think this is the scariest movie ever, I just think you have to appreciate the little things they do in this movie to add tension in the scene that shouldn't be tense at all. They just somehow do it through sheer filmmaking genius.
1: I think that anybody who's had an intense relationship of any kind that's taken place significantly over the internet, and I don't mean exclusively over the internet. I mean, even it could even just be texting. You've probably had that moment where it feels like your life depends on what is happening in that little dot, dot, dot box where somebody is typing. And this movie just plays on that and ramps it up. And that's that's what I love about it. These are my favorite stories. My favorite stories to work on, my favorite stories to watch and read are the ones that take a genuine, relatable, social dynamic and use the paranormal, the supernatural, the futuristic, whatever, to ramp that up to the nth degree and, and pick it apart and make it all the clearer and more intense. And this is just one of the best examples I've ever seen of, of a movie maker doing that.
0: Now, okay, that leads me into an interesting question. You obviously write horror fiction. You're a much more prolific writer than I am. Do you think this story would work in a written form or did it have to be visual? It
1: it had to be visual. I mean, there are similar stories that have worked in a written form like um, TTYL, the uh, Internet Girls books by Lauren Miracle. It's traditional form in print and it's done in IMs. But this Unfriended is specifically born of the medium that it's in. It's a Skype call and all of the other things surrounding it. It is happening in a computer screen and it can never be captured perfectly as it is in any other form.
0: And one other thing that you, that just made me think of when you were saying that is that there's a really creative and genius uh, storytelling device in this movie how like at certain point Blair wants to type something on the screen and she'll type it out but she won't hit return and she'll backspace and change her mind to write something else. There's no other way you could do that in any other movie other than the way they do it in this. It's like you get to see her inner monologue in a way you're not used to seeing that.
1: I've done things like that in books where characters are texting and you'll see something that they delete without sending it but it's so much more immediate in in this movie where we get to watch her type it in real time and consider it and we see we see her emote with a mouse yeah actually watch a cursor have feelings before she decides no that's not what i want to say and she writes something safer that that isn't as revealing or as or is emotionally dangerous to her, and you can feel someone who's not even on screen.
0: You can't see her face; you just see the text box, and you understand. Yeah, it's a wonderful just way of portraying dread, and, and from someone you never see. And again, that was the hallmark of the Blair Witch. You never actually see the Blair Witch at the end of that movie. You never see Laura. I mean, there's a kind of a cheap ending at the very end. I don't know if that's really her or not, but it's like you were saying. You can see as the movie starts, when Blair is moving her mouse around the screen and clicking on stuff, it's just like at a normal pace. As the movie goes along, you can actually see her, like the mouse, shaking as her hand is shaking on the mouse. You can see the little pointer moving, and it's moving faster and faster, and there's a panic. It's just, there's so many subtle things that this movie does that are just so, I just, I can't say enough about just how innovative it is.
1: Yeah. It just absolutely makes the most of its concept and its medium gimmick you can use that word without it being a negative thing sure it's a gimmick and it is done to the absolute best of its potential which is
0: considerable and that's the thing again even if you watch this movie and don't think it's the scariest thing you ever saw I just really, and I'm sure Fiona would agree with me, I just really think people should appreciate the artistry that went behind it. There's so much just little innovation artistry that I just think is so cool, and people should respect the effort that was put into this.
1: Yeah, every detail is so considered and deliberate and effective. It, it is absolutely a work of art. And I mean, any movie is technically a work of art, but <laughs> any anything intended to be a work of art is technically a work of art. This one's This is a masterpiece. I'm going to call it that.
0: Is, uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop a work of art in your mind?
1: I'm sure in the minds of whoever put their heart and soul into it, it is. I'm not going to watch it to find out.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm going to cancel next week's episode of Staff Picks, which is Paul Blart Mall Cop.
1: <laughs> oh, I might have to listen to that.
0: <laughs> All right. So anyway, so, uh, so, uh, Laura is now printing stuff to people's printers. And this is where we get an especially neat little game of the prisoner's dilemma here, where, uh, where Blair has been given a piece of paper. We don't see this until later. Her piece of paper says, if you if you hold this up, uh, Adam will die. And uh, Adam also gets a piece of paper. If you reveal this, Blair will die. So it's now a game of chicken. Who's gonna hold it up first to kill the other one? Uh, and Laura starts a little countdown. And again, I can't get over how creepy these countdowns are. All of a sudden, number 10 appears on the screen. The nine starts counting down. And this is a real tense scene. Who's gonna hold up the piece of paper first? And, of course, uh, our little hero, Blair, who is a horrible person as well, holds it up at the last minute and even says, if you reveal this note, Adam will die. And in that split second, Adam grabs the gun on on his desk, holds it up to his face, and shoots himself right in the face. And it's very violent and sudden. It's like, whoa, this movie is not holding back at this point.
1: Yeah, but it must be acknowledged in Blair's small defense that she did it because Mitch was going to leave the room if no one told him what was on the note, and if he leaves the room, he dies. So that's kind of on him, too, for for losing his cool and pushing it to that point, because right up until the notes are printed, they're all still yelling at each other and deflecting. He and Blair are yelling about the fact that she cheated with Adam, and uh, she's being... She's being Blair about it, but it only lasted like a second. Why are you telling me that? That doesn't make shit better. And (laughs) it's like that, the excuses that they are making to each other, and it's that crazy. And then when the notes come out, they really do try not to kill each other, and it is Mitch threatening to leave that makes Blair not really choose between Adam and herself. She's choosing between Adam and Mitch in that moment when she kills him.
0: And I do have to... There's not too many little jokes in this movie. It's not a very funny movie, but there's a little kind of one that I appreciate an underselling of a joke here where everyone's screaming because Adam has just shot himself in the face. There's only three people left. There's Mitch, Jess, and uh, and Blair, and they're all screaming. And all of a sudden, Billy just kind of types at the bottom of their screen, uh, we're still playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> all right, give, I'll give the dead girl some props on that one. That was a good joke. Yeah. So Laura has basically offed everyone now. Laura is going to pick up the pace. Laura just at this point is like goodbye jess <laughs> so all of a sudden the lights go off in jess's house and here's another horrible death where her camera goes off and she, she's gone and all of a sudden she comes back on and you can see her with a curling iron She has shoved down her throat
1: uh-huh and meme text over it
0: yeah laura not only kills her she immediately makes a meme so a perfect and it says what does it say uh jess is finally stfu
1: <laughs> stfu
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Laura has a little sense of humor. She kills Jess by throwing a uh, curling iron down her mouth and then making a meme about it. So now it's just the last two. We just have Mitch and Blair, the hero, and her boyfriend. And this is where things, in a movie that's already dark, is going to take an even darker turn, where we find out why Mitch and Blair had to be the last two killed.
1: Yeah. I'm going to guess that Jess was the one who posted Bye Bye Laura in the laura barnes kill yourself thread setting up the goodbye chess
0: oh so yeah i mean that's i I would not be surprised because this movie is so well thought out and again i can't get over the fact that all these people in this movie have facebook accounts and if you go on facebook and look it up those accounts really exist like they really tried to pass this off as something that really happened and it's really funny if you go to, like, the YouTube video that's in the movie of, of Laura killing herself, of uh, Laura being bullied before she kills herself, there's all these people arguing over whether this was a real event or not. It's like people are still fooled on YouTube. They're like, no, this was a real story, and they made it into a movie. And, like, no, you dumbass, it was just a movie, and they cross-marketed it exactly like Blair Witch Project. But it's funny that even now, people are still kind of fooled about that.
1: Wow. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> So we get to why Blair and Mitch have to be at the end. But first, first we have the one good person in this movie, the one good person in this movie, (laughs) the lady on chat roulette.
0: Yes. It's the only good thing that's ever come out of chat roulette. Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: Blair is going, trying to call for help before Jess dies on chat roulette of all places, because they've tried calling the cops earlier, and Laura can control that too. She can control their phones. So, Blair is just trying anything she can think of to reach any outside party. And so, we get this cross-section of of chat roulette with um, people being stoned, people being naked, and then finally, finally, she gets to somebody in Nevada where it's, daytime for some reason even though it's night in california who actually agrees to call the police for her and it's too late of course but we get one good person in this movie so shout out to what was her name aaron i forget.
0: <laughs> the chat roulette hero yes yeah, it's too bad. This would have given it an immediate like X rating, but it's too bad. Knowing Chat Roulette when she went on there, if the first uh, person that clicked on her wasn't like a dick pic or something, that would have been very fitting for Chat Roulette.
1: Well, it's close. I mean, <laughs> she she gets to a guy who's standing up and about to take off his underwear, but.
0: Well, I'm glad they put a little little shout out to the true reality of Chat Roulette. All <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, so Mitch is about to die here. Mitch is going to be the next one, and uh, this is where we find out why Mitch had to be the uh, right at the end to die. Cause we now Laura posts the video of her passed out drunk. And, uh, basically she, it was at a party. She got drunk. She passed out. She shit herself. She's got crap all over her legs and panties. And they had superimposed something over it. leaky Laura.
1: It turns out to not even be about that guy we saw with her earlier. It's just, she passed out. She shit herself. And they post uncreatively over the end of this video, leaky Laura, kill yourself. Yeah. And the next question is, Never have I ever posted the video of Drunk Laura. And that's what we're getting down to, finally.
0: That's what we find out, that Mitch was the one who posted this video that ended up having her kill herself. And she knows this, and she posts it, and we finally learn the truth. And this is where uh, she makes Mitch instantly grab a knife that he has hold Earlier in the movie, he had a little knife. He grabs it, he plunges it into his eye, he immediately kills himself. And now we just have the traditional, in any horror movie, the surviving heroine who we would argue was not hero in Blair it's now the final showdown between Blair and Laura
1: uh-huh and first she had to sell out Mitch Laura let her believe that that was going to be the last question who posted the video and we see Blair again emoting beautifully through the text box of am I gonna tell am I not gonna tell I it wasn't him I swear she deletes the I swear and, and then finally, when it's counting down to the very, very end to you're going to die, It's it was him. And that's when he dies. And now it's her and Laura. And she wants so badly to convince Laura they're still friends. She clicks the heart-wrenching view friendship on Facebook and goes back and shows them as children together. And says, I'm I'm so sorry, we drifted
0: apart. And Laura drifted apart. Is that how you remember it? And you're, you're glossing over the fact that there's a wonderful countdown going on now. Oh, basically, yeah. Basically, Blair has 45 seconds to live, and this is all you see. Her last 45 seconds of her life just counting down on the screen, frantically doing everything she can to convince Laura they're still friends. We grew up together. We drifted apart.
1: Why are you counting down? What do you think that I did? Then <laughs> we finally get the full version of the video. We've seen several shortened versions of it. We get up to the end that we think is the end with Leaky Laura, kill yourself. We finally see the unedited version where Blair turns around the camera and she's the one filming it. And she says, I got her, which is what the first glitch said.
0: That's right. That's what the, uh, (laughs) That's the premise of the movie here, that this girl who professed to be Laura's friend all her life, her best friend, she is the one who filmed the video of her passing out drunk, she's the one who gave it to her boyfriend to post on the internet, they all hid behind all these fake usernames, and mocked her, and made fun of her, and told her to kill herself, Laura ended up killing herself, and now, all the truth has been revealed, Blair was the one who did it, and this is it, all the lights go off in her house, and Blair's like, oh no, please, Laura, please, and all of a sudden, her laptop slams down and it's pitch dark and the last thing you see is this specter of a ghost screaming towards her going, Ah and that's the end of the movie.
1: But the thing yeah. is, there's an even better ending that got lost in there because before Laura closes the laptop and comes after her as a ghost and kills her, she posts the full version of the video with Blair's oh, yeah. face and reveals what she did and we get the flood of hate hitting Blair's Facebook wall instead about, you killed her, you're a terrible, terrible person and then, Billy, the screen name of Laura on the computer, just logs off, and we see Blair's face completely alone on the screen. And that is where I will, to the death, contend that the movie should have ended. It should have ended with Blair alone and the pariah that she made, Laura. Hmm,
0: interesting. Yeah, I do agree that I think the jump scare at the very end is kind of cheap. It kind of cheapens everything the movie has been working up up to that point. Maybe it's a It's a component of just how movies have to be made nowadays. You need a jump scare. I'd agree that, yeah, just having her at the end, guilty for all she's done, having all her friends now sending her instant messages saying, you killed Laura, you need to kill yourself, kill yourself, Blair. Like, I, I, I would argue, I think you're right. That's probably a stronger ending.
1: Yeah, I am adamant about that. That is the one thing about the movie that I will always complain about as much as I love the rest of it. It, it wasted such a perfect ending setup.
0: And again, I do think the movie is maybe about 10 minutes too long. I see some criticisms that it kind of gets annoying when they're all yelling at each other for the last 20 minutes. And that's probably true to a sense, but I don't think that cancels out the genius of this movie. Like I, I, I Again, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but again, there's never been a movie like this. So they were kind of making up a template as they went along. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's pretty much flawless or do you agree with me that it's maybe a little too long for its own good?
1: Apart from the ending, I like it. You could probably trim a little fat, but I'm normally someone who doesn't like hearing characters bitch at each other endlessly and to no purpose, and it doesn't feel that way to me when they're yelling at each other. It feels like all of this was built up and this is the moment when it was meant to be released. Uh, If it went on any longer than it did, I might get annoyed with it, but I, I feel like there was important thought put behind everything that was in there.
0: And that's really the one word that I keep coming back to. I was watching this, just thoughtful. This whole movie is just well thought out and just very meticulously planned. I just it's, I admire it so much the way it was made because I could not make a movie like this. I could not I can't even fathom how they designed all these interfaces and Skype interfaces and and Facebook to do exactly what they needed at exactly that moment. Like it's just very very clever, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just meticulous. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And it's one of those movies you think about. And I say this a lot on horror movies when I talk about them. I don't really care about how scared you are when you're watching it. What I what I really value in a horror movie is how much you're going to think about it afterwards. Will it, will it sit with you? And this is one of those movies that it just kind of sits with me. I always think about it. I was on Skype once late at night and I was typing and I heard the you know the, the sound effects of Skype when you connect to a call. I was just kind of thinking of this movie. I'm like, that was kind of a creepy movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: There are movies that scare me and I think about them and there are movies that scare me and then I never think about them again. There are movies that I, I won't say it ever it ever knocked me out of my chair with fear, but it it lingers and you it's about the storytelling, not just how much adrenaline boost did you get off of it. Yeah. And I will forever associate the sounds of Skype with this movie. <laughs>
0: And that is, again, why I think you'd probably agree with me. We re- really hope this movie doesn't take years to get appreciated like Blair Witch did. I really hope people will go right to it and appreciate it now. And again, I, I was reading just uh, uh, some Netflix reviews, some reviews on Internet Movie Database. Just People just give this movie like zero stars. Oh, worst movie I ever saw. It wasn't scary. I'm like, that's just not fair. Like, It's about what you say with
1: your scares.
0: Yeah. I just don't appreciate the way that innovation always gets crapped on, especially in horror movies. Anything that's the slightest bit different immediately becomes polarizing and I don't think it should be. That's, so, that's the one message I hope to get across.
1: I'm, I'm totally behind
0: you there. But before we wrap it up, here, there's a couple things I want to say about this movie. You know, they made a sequel to it. It just came out earlier this year. I don't know if you're aware of that.
1: I have not seen it yet. I'm looking forward to it.
0: I hate the idea of sequels in general, so I will, I will turn this job over to you so you uh, please go see it and let me know if it's worth my time. Will do.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be separate but in the same universe, and I think that's sort of necessary since all the characters are dead, but supposedly <laughs> it's not going to be about Laura Barnes specifically, but sort of setting up something new. And I'm, I'm curious, I'm sad that the title is no longer Unfriended Game Night, because I was really hoping they'd have a go at gamer culture and it's more ugly sides, but whatever it is, is, I'm, I'm curious and I will report back.
0: The other thing I want to say is, like I said, this this movie's tough to read. If you have bad vision, be careful on this one. Get a nice big TV. But the other thing that's funny is I was just uh, zipping through it today. I was trying to find certain chapters in the movie and skip along. And the funniest thing about this movie is if you look at the DVD menu for the chapters, every chapter looks exactly the same in the thumbnail because it's literally just the five people on a Skype screen. It's possibly the least valuable DVD uh, chapter menu I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it would be, but the whole story manages to be told there, and that's part of the beauty of it.
0: Okay, well, I really appreciate you stopping by. I'm glad you had a chance, because, again, Fiona writes tons of horror books, and uh, and this is one of those things I know that the premise of this movie is that tearing people apart and driving wedges between people, so we're going to play a little game here, Fiona. <laughs> okay. I did not let your husband plug his website or his books when he was here, but I will let you do that because I'm going to drive a wedge between you two. So let's play a game and tell people how they can reach you.
1: Okay. You can find me at facebook.com slash FJR or at www.fjrtitchenell.weebly.com. Again, Titchenell is
0: T-I-T-C-H-E-N-E-L-L. All right. Well done. And I hope you sell Thousands and thousands of books, and I hope you outsell Matt.
1: Well, most of our books are co authored, but hey, have a look at Out of the Pocket. That one's mine, and if you like Unfriended, there's a good chance you will like it because it is about the horrible, tumultuous craziness of the high school phase, which is just a goldmine for story writing because it's when everything is new and fresh and crazy and horrible and dramatic, and I love it. I hate it. I love that I'm no longer in it, and I love that I get to write about it forever.
0: All right, and for those of you listening, thank you again for tuning into Staff Picks and for giving us a chance to share some of our love for movies that may not be all that loved out there. Unfriended, absolutely perfect one. It's just one that I really hope people appreciate the artistry. And again, if you need to reach me, you can reach me via email at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. And until the next time I talk to you guys, Bye! Bye. this one. <laughs> what the you Easy one. Never have I ever saw a whole blurt ball cup. <sighs>